This episode of the Jiu-Jitsu Times podcast is brought to you in part by No Judges Needed BJJ Apparel and Lavender Lane CBD Products. You can use the promo code JJT for 20% off your first order at No Judges Needed and the code JJTimes20, all uppercase, last two items are numerical, for 20% off your first order of CBD products. Thank you very much for sticking with us. Enjoy the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Jiu-Jitsu Times podcast. I am your host, Kevin Bradley, and today we've got oh, joined as always by my co-host Kevin Gallagher. Jesus, oh don't forget. I know it's Joe on the other side. At least, so at least give me I'm so starstruck. I forgot my ride or die, my number one, my podcast <laughs> husband, Kevin Gallagher. We got a big guest today. Uh, continuing the string of people that make me kind of crap my pants before we start these things. Uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt, uh, UFC legend, just up there with the best of the best, and proud Massachusetts son, Joe Lozon. Joe, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thanks for having me. I think there's an elephant in the air, just because you being being from where you're from. uh, Can you hear me all right? Yep. No, I I say elephant, big ears. Ah, (laughs) Um, How are you holding up since Brady? How you doing? Uh, we're good. You know, like I'm, I'm, I'm going to be a Tom Brady fan regardless. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm first and foremost a Patriots fan, but you know, like I'm, I'm, I'm happy for, for, for the Buccaneers, for Brady and Gronk. I think it's awesome. Uh, it's going to be, it's going to be kind of nice. Cause now Brady's really like, he's investing in on like what he's going to do. Right. So is it, was it the Brady Belichick combo that did once so well? Was it Bill Belichick? Was it Tom Brady? Tom Brady and Gronk is going to be pretty powerful. Like I'm, I'm really interested to see, like I'll be watching all the Buccaneers games this year. Like I'll be watching the Patriots games, but I'm watching the Buck games too. So it's gonna be exciting. It's gonna be good. My, mom, my, mom, my, my mom is one of those like fans that's so team Brady over Patriots that she's really? buying Buccane- she's buying Buccaneers jerseys. Yeah. Yeah. Like I and I can't falter for it. I, I gotta say, of the people from the Boston area, I know you've had you've given me the most polite response to the question. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's I my know, thing. <laughs> so so for, for the flat the past few years, Brady's taken like reductions in pay. And he's structured contracts in a way that would allow the, the team to do better, right? The team has more money. Like, he wasn't trying to get top dollar, you know? But now he's the end of his career. I still don't think it's necessarily about getting top dollar as much as I think it's more so about just trying to go out on his own and do his own thing. Um, but I'm, I'm excited for it. I mean, he gave us, you know, so many good years, so many Super Bowls, so many, you know, great, you know, games. How can you be upset about the guy leaving? Like, it's – who cares? Let it go. Joe Lozon, class act. All right, now I'm going to check out for the rest of this episode and watch some Joe Lozon highlights. <laughs> Kevin, Kev, if you want to just take care of it and like buzz me in if you need something. Or if you I'm not going to lie to you, Joe. This is the most starstruck I've ever seen, Kev. When I told him, like, yeah, I know, I know Joe Lozon pretty well. I mean, we know each other. I know you. Yeah. By we had lunch together a couple of times, one time up in uh, – up in Montreal, I thought that was really cool. That well, was here's, really, that the, was back here's the thing, part. though, Kev. Yeah. What you do is you'll set up saying like, "Hey, buddy, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be honest with you. Uh, everyone in MMA and Jiu-Jitsu hates my ass. Like, I say too much. Like, so I, I'm like, when you say Joe Lazon knows you, I'm like, oh crap, does he hate you? Like, so- oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, m- most people, I I'm I'm a bit of a crazy person myself, Joe. I get inside of my head. I, I'm doing my best. I wrote my notes again. Let Joe talk because unfortunately, <laughs> I have a bad habit of never shutting the hell up. But I'm doing my best. To make the show be about you. First think, of all, I think pretty much being, anyone that trains jujitsu or does anything, we all got something a little bit wrong going upstairs, right? You know, anyone that wants to get choked and smashed and just destroyed all the time like that is a little something going on there. So, 
from the get go, you're a little bit off. Yeah. First of all, I will say one thing: being a Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan, a lifelong Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan, I am definitely not upset about Tom Brady and Gronkowski coming to uh, to the Tampa Bay area. We're all laughing down stole, here because you stole our man, yeah. you stole our <laughs> New England hero. <laughs> Being the lovable losers and the, the 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 team that is usually just set to self destruct, we're we're all laughing at the fact we finally got Brady, we finally got a uh, got a uh, Gronk, and we're probably not going to play a season because the plague is going to wipe us out. It's right? the most devastating thing that could probably yeah. happen. I mean, we're not saying that, but in, in Tampa Bay's luck, yeah. that's what could happen. Yep. So let's talk about you. Let's talk about uh, let's talk about some MMA. And let's talk about some jujitsu. First of all, how are you? Is everything good? Go, going good? For I'm you? good. Yeah, I'm good. You know, obviously the the coronavirus stuff all sucks. You know, like, uh, it, it sucks, you know, our gym shut down, all the gyms right here shut down. Most of the businesses are shut down. So that part is, you know, really unfortunate. Uh, but everyone's, everyone's healthy. You know, all my, my, my family's good. My, my immediate family's good. All my extended family's good. Um, so yeah, it's, it's okay. We're, we're, we're okay at this point. So I've got a few particular questions I want to ask you. And you know, I, I'm all not right. real big on prepping cause I just know you and I like to kind of let the thing evolve as it goes. Yeah. And, um, so just based upon who you are, like in, in my opinion, I can't think of too many fighters in the history of the UFC that really, uh, you can really talk about as being the toughest guy to ever step into the octagon. And you are definitely on the top of that list. If not the top two or three, as far as I'm concerned, <laughs> What do you feel like uh, in today's MMA? Do you feel like today's MMA has has gotten away from that grittiness and maybe a little bit gotten a little bit softer? Do you feel like it still holds over? Uh, no, I, I don't. I don't think so. I, I think it's there's everyone in the UFC is super tough. Like I I, I don't put myself on a, like one of those top lists. Um, you know, I think that you know if I had to be known as a guy that was really good and they just beat everyone up, or the guy that is really tough because he got his ass kicked, I'd go with the guy that was really tough and really technical. You know, over the the tough guy, right? Because it's you know, being tough means you had to get beat up a lot, you know, right. and not just once or twice, but you know, a few times. So several, quite a few times. So, um, I mean, it's, 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 I, I, but I don't think that things have changed now. I don't think that like the fighters are, you know, not as tough or anything like that. I think it's just, you know, I think guys are a little bit more technical. You know, I think that overall, like w- when I first came up, like there were a lot of guys that were fighting MMA that were not really, you know, well-rounded mixed martial artists whatsoever. You had got, you know, some guys that were like kickboxers that had, didn't know what an arm lock was. And some guys that, that, you know, had great sweeps and great jujitsu and had never been punched in the face, you know? So, um, you know, I think that I, I came at a time where like, I was, I wasn't, I wasn't trying to get punched in the face, but I didn't, I didn't necessarily shy away from it and, and, and break down when it happened. Uh, and I liked jujitsu. So I just, I, I, I basically started as a, as an amateur, even like my first, a lot of my first pro fights, you know, I was, a, I was a straight jujitsu guy, you know, made more of a grappler than a jiu-jitsu guy because like I never trained the gi really all that much the last couple of years. Um, you know, I was, I was more of like a submission wrestler than anything. And I just, I would, I would fight people. I would, I would smash them on the ground and I would submit them, you know, and that was just basically how it went. And I felt like I just always, I always did a good job at kind of, kind of making other people play a jiu-jitsu game. Like I would shoot, I would shoot on them and I would either take them down or I would sit half guard or full guard or whatever I do. And then I would jiu-jitsu them from that. Um, you know, and they just didn't have an answer. Most of the guys I fought just didn't have an answer. They were strikers or wrestlers or, or whatever. So, you know, that was how, when I came up now, it's, it's so different, right? You get all these guys that like, like badass wrestlers, like, Oh, this is a guy's a national champ wrestler. And he's got great stand up, and he's black belt jiu-jitsu. It's right. like, you know, it's like we didn't, that, that was unheard of when I first came around. So, right. um, what, I think uh, what, what real quick, what belt were you around when you started fighting MMA? Like what, what belt rank? Uh, I was a white belt. I, I had fought. Wow. I got, so I, I, so I went from white belt to, I, I never had a blue belt. I went right to a purple belt. Uh, when I was, 
It was after I fought Jeremy Stevens. Fought Jeremy Stevens. Uh, we fought main event in the UFC. Uh, I arm locked him in the second round. Um, and I just after that is when I, I I started taking like a couple of gi classes. We basically added a gi program at my gym. We never had a gi program up to that point. Um, so we, we so we had uh, John Clark. We, he he on the Ultimate Fighter. Like he's he's got he's a uh, coach of Kyle Bachniak, a couple guys like that. So we had I've known John Clark forever. So we had him running uh, the gi program at my gym. And like literally like the week after I, I fought Jeremy, you know, it was like the first class we had. He gave me a purple belt, and then the the next day I tore my ACL. <laughs> so i was out for like a year um and then i was a uh, i was a purple belt for a while and then i got a brown belt and i got a black belt you know so I, i've been focusing on the i put a lot more time in on the gi in the probably the last like two and a half years two two and a half three years so based upon that so i yeah. i have spoken to matt arroyo who's my head coach who knows you very yep. well his training he was on the all through five and he came up yep. training with you. yeah right matt's awesome dude yep. so i talked to matt a lot about you and we talk about the difference between Jiu-jitsu, jiu-jitsu, and MMA jiu-jitsu. And he always brings up you as a perfect analogy because he says on the jiu-jitsu map, yeah, at the time, we're talking a couple years ago, you may have been a purple belt, you may have been a brown belt, but he says when you start to incorporate the MMA applications of jiu-jitsu, Joe Lazone's jiu-jitsu becomes next-level, high-level jiu-jitsu simply because of the applications of MMA. Tell me what you think a little bit about the differences between MMA jiu-jitsu and jiu-jitsu jiu-jitsu. So it's it's completely different, right? So I, Matt told me, and I didn't even realize this until like recently, a couple months ago he told me this story, how like the first time I got to train with Matt. So I I, I met Matt, I hooked up with Matt because uh, Alan Bruby, Muscle Lobster, was on the Ultimate Fighter with me. Right? Peace out, Muscle Lobster. And then he got, um, he got Matt, I think he kind of helped push and got Matt on the Ultimate Fighter for the next season. I was season five, I think Matt was season six. And you know, he kept talking about this guy, Matt, you know, he trained with it was so good and all sort of stuff. And monster was not very good. Right. Monster was not technical. So I was like, ah, how good is, how good is Matt? Like whatever. And Matt was awesome. Like he had really, really good jujitsu. Um, but the first time I trained with Matt, I think it was, we, we, we didn't make, like we put on gloves and if we had just grappled, Matt would have taken my lunch money. Right. He would have just beat me down. Like it would have been, it would have been bad because he has really, really good jujitsu. Um, but I have really good MMA jiu-jitsu, right? So like I do a really good job at like, like I'm going to get on top. I'm going to sit in your half guard. I'm not even going to try to pass. I'm going to just punch you in the head over and over and over knee you in the body, you know, like just work people over it. And that's kind of what I like to do. Whereas Matt is probably used to dealing with people that are doing more straight jiu-jitsu that are trying to pass his half guard. And when they try to pass his half guard, he has all these different things. He, he does to kind of, you know, I create openings and he takes advantage of those. Right. But when I don't want to pass, when I'm content to just sit in half guard and control position and then punch him, it's a different story. So, you know, for a long time, um, I think that I've been more focused on like MMA jiu-jitsu than a lot of other places have, you know, a lot of other people have. So we've been doing like, we call it guard boxing. We're like, you know, we just, you know, we just ground upon rounds. Like I jump at someone's guard and we just try to beat each other up. Right. I try to beat someone up from full guard. They try to sweep or submit me. Um, and we've been doing that for like close to 20 years. You know, no one else was really doing that until like maybe 10 years ago. So I just got a little more time on that stuff. Um, but you know, Matt said that like the first time we did that, like he felt he had never been beat up in any training session ever more than that day. Right. And I just like, I wasn't and Matt's a little bit bigger than me. And, but I just like, but, and, and I don't like, I'm not like beating him up to be a jerk, but I just try to keep people like a little bit, just like in, if I was grappling with someone or doing me, I want them to be a little bit uncomfortable the entire time. Right. I want to make them just a little uncomfortable, a little bit, let them waste a little more energy being nervous, make them waste a little bit more energy that, that they're, they're trying to defend a little bit more than they normally would. Um, and people get tired and then it just, it gets worse and worse and worse for them. Um, you know, but I just, I just, I just made Matt really, really uncomfortable and he, he didn't like it. 
He liked it, but he didn't like it. You know, in when in, in to, to keep it in terms of a jiu-jitsu conversation, you know, you, you use different uh, approaches to make your yep. opponent uncomfortable, to cause a mistake, whether it be shoulder pressure, whether it be action, yep. things you do to elicit elicit a mistake. So, based upon that train of thought, how important do you feel like as a grappler in jiu-jitsu, particularly from the top position, it is to use these strikes? And are you thinking about these strikes? In the obby and the, the recognition of an advanced position, and then and then towards the end, looking for a submission or whatever pops up, or are you just content with sitting there beating beating the piss out of somebody? Uh, I'm completely content with staying in position, doing damage. Right, so it's it's right. a fight. It's not jiu-jitsu match. Like I'm not. They're not giving yeah. me points because I passed the guard. It's not like oh, two points. Or you're not getting points from mount or back mount or whatever. Right. It's you're doing damage. Right. It's wherever you can do the most damage. Wherever you can do damage the best. So. Typically what I do is if I'm in full guard, um, like, so I'm not very good. Like one of my things that I'm like, uh, probably one of the, my biggest issues, uh, in the gi is getting the guard open, right? Because I'm used to posturing up in the guard. And for 20 years, I posture up in the guard and I punch down on people. And when they, as they defend and they try and bring their knees and then I pass, but I have a, I have a tough time with people when they just want to lock their guard and just keep it there. Like that's like by far my most difficult time rolling in the gi in particular. Um, you know, once I get the guard open, no problem. I, I do great job passing. I submit, I, I, I pass, I mount, I take their back. I submit, I go into submissions like very, very easily, but even against black belts, I do really, really well, but getting the guard open is like, it's hard for me sometimes. Like that's, that's hard for me. So, um, for me, like if we're, if we're talking like a fight or something like that, all I care about is damage, you know? So in general, like I, I want to give, I want to do sustained damage, right? So it starts with, okay, I'm in the full guard. I'm going to throw punches. They're going to defend. I'm going to force my way to half guard. And now this is where I'm going to stay. I'm going to stay. I can do the most damage in half guard. So I stay in half guard. I just keep hitting them, hitting them, hitting them, hitting them. Like until like they, they're begging me to pass. They want me to pass. I don't pass. I still, I just keep hitting them, hitting them, hitting them. And then as it gets closer, when you get like less time, now they're being desperate. They're, they're taking all kinds of chances to try to just please stop hitting me. And then that's when submissions present themselves. Cause they're just, they're trying to get away. It's like, you know, they're trying to like get away, get away, get away. And you literally leave the arm up. Um, you know, if you get to side control, if, if, if I went from full guard to half guard, right. Then, you know, yes, they, they kind of have my leg. It's, it's a little hard for me to pass, but I have their leg too. They cannot get back up to their knees. If they're stuck in half, they, then, you know, I have their leg. They don't have my leg. I have their leg because I'm on top and I'm happy to sit there and punch people. The second I pass the side control, they can belly down. They can fight up. They can get an underhook. They could, maybe they decide they want to turn their back and, and, you know, and try to come up to all fours and come up to a turtle and, and defend from there like you know they have options in half guard they don't have options like i just i hang on to them and i just pound them pound them pound them. yeah um i i just i wanted to say just because it sounds like you have a lot of thoughts on specific positions in jujitsu and their their equivalent level of importance in mma yep and it sounds like there's a lot of difference like there's like uh, in jujitsu pulling guard you'll see double guard pulls sometimes yep. like there's there's some rule sets about pulling guard and in MMA, there's definitely standout performers off their back. Like Tony Ferguson famously against Kevin Lee. That's the most recent one that comes to mind for me, but you know, Neiman Gracie and Bellator, he's doing a lot of crazy stuff off his back. How do you view working off your back in an MMA context as a, as a black belt? Like how do you approach it? So I don't think you ever want to be on your back. Right. But sometimes it's, it's the, it's the better of, you know, two shitty positions. Right. So like, if, if I'm getting beat up on my feet and I can't take someone down, right, I guarantee you I'm going to shoot and I'm going to pull half guard or I'm going to pull full guard or whatever I can to get the fight down, right? If I'm – I would rather – I think my chances are better on bottom of almost anyone, on bottom and full guard with them on top, than, you know, being on my feet and getting beat up, 
right? So you got to kind of, you know, take it with a grain of salt. But if you have to shoot and then pull guard, then that's what you have to do. Um, and grappling, I would almost never try to pull guard, right? Unless, unless it's, I'm in the gym and I'm trying to work on stuff. Like then it's a hundred percent. You go for it. You know, you're not, you're not playing your best game, but if I'm trying to play like my best game, I'm probably not pulling guard. You know, I'm, I'm going to try to work a takedown. If, if I fail a takedown, then maybe you end up, you end up pulling some kind of guard right off the bat off of that to, to make the best of a situation. But I'm never like going to go to match be thinking, okay, I'm going to sit guard. I'm going to sit guard right away. You know, right. uh, before we move on, I just got to go onto my YouTube channel and take down that competition footage of me pulling. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's gonna, it, it depends on your skill set, right? So, like, you got to play your skill set, right? If yeah. the, the, I remember, I did a, uh, I did a Naga tournament one time, and I, I was going against guy. I knew he was a badass wrestler. I knew he was a good wrestler. I had like a USA wrestling tattoo on his leg, like, and I and I had like no wrestling. I, I never wrestled. I've never wrestled in high school. I never wrestled in college. I never wrestled. And I knew, I knew he was going to, I knew he would take me down. I knew he was, he had fought one of my teammates, knew he was going to take me down. Um, so I just, as soon as the match started, I just dropped to a knee. I dropped to a knee and kind of pursued him and, and kind of, you know, tr- chase him down like that. Like I didn't drop to my butt, but I dropped down to a knee because now I'm on my knee. He can't take me down. You know, he can engage, but he can't take me down. And I kind of just chase him around a little bit. Um, you know, and that, that was, that was better. You know, if I, t- if I try to pull full guard, you know, he had good base. He probably would have stalled me out a little bit, or I would have, you know, given up the two points for the takedown. And now he's up to nothing, and now he's just going to stall and not engage, and I'm I'm going to lose our points, you know. I think uh, I think when you talk about the idea of guard, and it, it's important to realize that in in the scheme of jujitsu as a martial art, which is what all you know martial arts and all you know technical they're they're all built around the premise of being a martial arts for self defense to protect yourself from from an attacker. I think when you think about the idea of guard, it's important to realize that guard is a very defensive position. So in other words, anytime you're on the bottom of someone, yes, there are opportunities for you to be offensive, but at the same time, it's not ideal. It's always the position you're using to protect yourself first and foremost because your opponent has the advantage of gravity to be able to punch down on top. And when you're in someone's guard, your strikes, yeah, you could strike someone if you got them in a triangle, do some other things, but you're, you're, the power of your punches is never going to be the same as opposed to the power of punches coming from uh from the top i think it's just an important distinction to make between sport jiu-jitsu and mma or self-defense jiu-jitsu the other thing too to, to, to take into account is like you know the, the days of hoist gracie you know fighting guys that didn't know what an arm lock or guillotine was are far gone, gone right yeah. there's there was so long ago it's you know in the beginning like even like when i started training i started training 2002 so when 2000 actually um when when i started training no one knew what jiu-jitsu was they had no idea. Like I was fighting guys that were, were training for fights and they didn't touch the ground at all. They were doing kickboxing, just hitting the heavy bag. Like they had no idea what any of that stuff was. Like there was no YouTube. There was no scouting out opponents. There was nothing. Right. So guys were like, Oh, I'm pretty tough. I can fight. So they would go out there and fight. And you know what happened? I would take them down and I would basically just like bitch slap them over and over until they gave me an arm lock or gave me their back or something. Cause they had no idea. They didn't know. They didn't know how to get away from anything. Right. And so, uh, it's in your opinion, how many in the early days of your career, how many quote unquote street fighters did you have to? Oh, probably with? a bunch. Like, oh, so I used to yeah. I used to go to like local fights all the time, and I would basically uh, like just bring my cup and mouthpiece, and I would just like be ready to fight. I'd be like, oh, like <laughs> there were a bunch of times when I took fights like the night of. It's like there was like we had a period. In, so I'm in Massachusetts. So for a little while, the commission was involved. Because it was basically the boxing commission, right? They knew nothing. They knew nothing. Like, it started out like, everyone has to wear T-shirts. All amateurs have to – because all the fights were amateurs. Amateur fighters have to wear T-shirts. And we're all, like, looking around like, huh? Like, so, like, <laughs> so then someone raises their hand. They're like, okay, like, 
you know, a lot of us come from jiu-jitsu schools. Like, we can choke someone with a shirt, right? We can choke them. They're like, you can choke someone uh, with a t-shirt? Like, <laughs> yes. Like, okay, no okay, one is buddy. allowed. No one is allowed to wear t-shirts. Everyone has to have no shirts because they had no idea what was going on, right? So in the beginning, we had the commission who really shouldn't have been overseeing us, but they were. Um, and they didn't know what was going on. And then for a little while, we had no commission. We were just, it was like the Wild West. Like, we could have been fighting with, like, meat hooks and cleavers, and no one would have said anything to us. Um, so there, there was no, like, there was very, very loose paperwork. Like, you'd be like, oh, do you have paperwork? I got, I got blood and I got, I got physical. Like, it's, this physical is, like, two years old. Ah, but it's okay. It's all right. Good, good. You know, they let you fight. You know, like, same thing with blood work. Like, they just wasn't, like, it wasn't, it was the Wild West. Like, no one really cared. So I could just show up on any given night. I'm like, oh, I'm, I have my stuff. I can fight. You know what I mean? Like, oh, who's around 175 pounds? Who's around 180 pounds? Like, I can do that. I'm 162, but I'll fight a guy with 180. Um, you know, it's just that's how it went. So uh, based upon that, because this, this is an interesting topic, because Dana White likes to talk about, and a lot of guys in the fight game like to, like to talk about how the fact that commissions and the fact that the judges really haven't gotten up to par with the reality of what what MMA entails, particularly on yep. their on their judging teaching. Do you feel the same way? Do you feel like there's still room to grow and how much I mean, obviously from the, the old days they're past that, but do you still feel like you're still a little bit jaded and or a little bit un, unrealistic? Um so it depends on the commission, right? So a lot of times if you have someone that's risen through the ranks of the commission and they're like at the head of public safety, they're probably older. They probably have never trained jiu-jitsu. They probably don't know exactly what's going on. You know, we're really lucky. We have a great commission in Massachusetts. And they're still, like, they're still handcuffed a little bit, right? Because there's, like, there's there's some there's some there's bylaws that they have to follow to, to a T. And then there's, like, kind of gray areas where they can kind of, you know, make decisions on their own. And when there's things that are, like, written in stone, they can't budge on that stuff. Even if they know it's a stupid rule, they, they can't budge on it. Um, so we're really lucky in Massachusetts because we have a good commission. Uh, and, and they're down for like, like I could pick up, I could pick up my phone right now and I could, I could call like the head of the mass commission right now. And he would take my call and would address and talk about anything I wanted, you know? And sometimes you can do things, sometimes you couldn't do things about it. It depends on like laws and stuff. So like some commissions are really, really bad. They just, they're completely like, like the Florida commission is not the best, right? Like I fought in Florida a couple of times. It's not the best. It's not the worst, but it's not the best commission. Sometimes it's just, you get guys that are like, they've been around forever or they're guys that were like doing kickboxing in the eighties. And they don't know what an arm lock is. They have no idea. Um, we had a referee that stopped the fight um, recently. Um, two guys, like, um, you know, one of the guys that fought in the UFC, one of the guys was, like, you know, kind of UFC hopeful. And they're fighting, and the guy's in a triangle, and he starts just, like, bongoing on the guy's head. And the guy's escaping. He's getting out of the triangle, right? He's, he's in a triangle. The guy, the guy on the bottom is bongoing on his head because he knows he's losing the guy's head, just trying to get away. And then, you know, the referee stops the fight. And the guy's like, he's defending. He's he's getting mm -hmm. out of a submission and these inconsequential strikes. You know, and you just got a, a referee that just didn't, doesn't fully grasp exactly what's going on. And it, it sucks sometimes, you know, and it, it, it's really unfortunate. Um, I, when I fought, when I fought in, I fought Jim Miller in Vancouver, right? And it was, uh, it, it, so Jim Miller won the fight. He won, he won the decision, right? But every media person gave me the fight. It was like 52 out of 52 media people gave me the fight, right? Like I took them down. I spent a 15 minute fight. I spent like nine minutes on top, like ground and pounding. Um, I had a bunch of takedowns. Uh, the, the strikes on the feet were pretty even, right? But I was in blue shorts, right? Obviously no shirt, blue shorts though. But I had, I was the red corner. I had red tape on my gloves. Jim hmm. was in black shorts, but he had blue tape on his gloves. So the judges all gave it to the guy in, in the blue corner, right? right? So I think they, they choose me based on my blue shorts, <laughs> but, but I had red tape in my gloves. 
and oh. you know, and, and, you know, so like I was like super upset. Like I thought, like I wasn't even it wasn't a fight. I was even questioning the decision, right? It was like it was a very clear sided. It's the second Jim Miller fight. Uh, very clear. I, I thought I had the fight for sure. Like I wasn't like I told you my fight. Oh, we're done. I figured we're one and one. I'm like we're done. We're not fighting again. And then they announced him as the winner. I'm like what the fuck? You know, come <laughs> to find out, one of the judges had never scored an MMA fight ever. The very first time, never done an amateur fight, never done a pro fight, never. You know, so it's like that part is like super unfortunate, right? Because again, it's it's like a who do you know? It's like oh, you're like I'm 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 on the Vancouver Commission, and I choose the judges. So oh, I'm gonna my buddy my buddy's really interested in MMA. He's gonna I'm gonna give him a, a seat. He's gonna get a front a front cage side seat. He's gonna be a judge. Like doesn't matter. I lost sixty thousand dollars, but you know, but that's just so like that I that think, part's unfortunate. I think when you talk about a lot of these old legacy type uh, commissions, because you know a lot of them are based off boxing. So a lot of them been around. Yeah. Boxing's been around for you know a hundred years now, and, and a lot of these commissions have been around since you know the fifties and sixties in, in particular states. And the thing what happens is is you get guys that have just been in the business for so long you know, and they're old and they're probably Xboxers, yeah. so a little bit yeah. punchy yeah. and yeah. they get, they get upset and they get angry and like, you know, what, what's this kid going to tell me? You're not going to yes. tell me. And they got, I know how to do my job. You just yep. go sit in the corner 100%. and you do yours. And then just like you said, you get in the situation where you're like, Oh, my buddy, Teddy, you know, he, he trains a little jujitsu. He's, he's been at a gym or he, he likes to watch the UFC. We'll let him come in and judge me and my buddy, Lou, me and my buddy, right. Lou, me, we saw the karate 100%. kid like a dozen yeah. times. This guy. <laughs> we get this, we get it. Garbage. You know, and it's unfortunate, you know, and I, I think that that's like, I think it's becoming less and less, you know, common, but it still happens. It still yeah. absolutely happens, you know, and it's, it's unfortunate. I think that, you know, as time goes on, more of those commissions will kind of work, you know, they'll kind of be weeded out a little bit. And, you know, you're going to have like a lot of guys like me that have been around for a long time. Like I probably wouldn't want to be involved with the mass commission just because I have my gym here and I have so many fighters. So like, I wouldn't want to, um, that'd be like kind of a conflict of interest. Like I, I wouldn't want to go and have to be on the commission side and not be able to be there for my fighters and the coaches side. Um, but I think that a, a, a lot more guys that are knowledgeable are gonna, you know, kind of slide in and, and do a better job. So I will back this up, and I'll kind of segue this just to kind of give judges a, a little, a little nod here, just to say the fact that, like, coming from someone that has been around fighting and, and ref jujitsu matches, never refed an MMA fight or judged an MMA fight, but I've watched my share of MMA fights. I've been cage side for a bunch of fights. I've done some sparring and never fought MMA, but I sparred a little. You know, coming from someone that's been around that for a long time. Very rarely do I ever watch a fight and think to myself, wow, that was just no way that that it's guy hard. won. It, it does happen. And I say that by this. When you're a judge in a fight and you're sitting ringside, no one in the world has the, the view and no one in the world has the understanding of what is happening in that fight except for someone that's sitting ringside. Because you watch it on television and you see punches that you think land. It's just not the same unless you're there. You don't really feel those punches unless you're there ringside. You're not looking right into the fighter's eyes to find out if that caused the amount of damage that it did or if it really landed as solidly as it might have looked on the television screen. So based upon that, you know, judges have a horrible, have a very tough job. But I always go back and lead towards the idea that, you know what, these guys have the best view of the fight and they're being paid to watch this fight and judges. So I give them that nod sometimes. Yep. And, and it's hard, too, because, like, how do you compare it? You're comparing apples to oranges, right? It's like, okay, if we're talking punch, let's say we're talking just boxing, right? If you and I have a, a boxing match and I land a ton of shots, I land way more shots than you, right? But they're kind of, like, all glint. Like, none of them are super solid. But then you land a huge a huge shot at the end of the round, a haymaker, and it drops right. me. So you landed one big power shot, but I landed, a, I landed a volume. I landed a ton of shots. But I didn't hurt you, but then you hurt me. Okay, how do you how do you compare those two? Okay, then a jitsu match. Okay, I I position you and I go. We have position. I get you know completely worked positionally, right? You pass my guard, you mount me, you take my back, 
you know, there's that's happening, right? But then I almost submit you. I get really, really close on a triangle and arm lock at the end of the round. How do you compare that? And now how do you compare the ju- the jabs against the really close triangle? It's so right. it's so difficult. So it's like I understand like being a judge is a hard job. You know, I just my, my issue is when you get guys that are, you know, not even the slightest bit qualified to do a hard job already. It's like, well, it's like, well, well, it's a hard job. You know, no one's and I feel like right. people kind of get a, a little bit of a an excuse built in sometimes like, Oh, it's a hard job. Like no two people agree on a fight. Like, yeah, but you, you had you're getting, you're, you're, you that, have a job yeah. to do, do it right. I have yeah. a job. I have my job to do it. It's, it's sad that the person that's in the cage risking their life and limb getting, getting the beating gets screwed because I did my job, but you yep. didn't do your job. And, and, it's, and it's not only that, but it's like, so the way fighters get paid, you have a show money, you get win money. Right. So if my contract is like 60 and 60, I get right. $60,000 for, for fighting. I get an additional $60,000 if I win. So my expenses are generally the same, right? So all my expenses come out of the win money. So like you have way, way le- that $60,000 gets cut down really quick between right. tax and everything else. And then the, the win money is what you're really fighting for. So then you don't get the win money. It's just, and then not only that, but it's like contracts generally, they move up. So you might be 60, 60,000 and 60,000, but then your next fight, you might be 65 and 65, but only off of a win. So if I get, if I get a loss on that, it's costing me $60,000 right up front. But then every fight going forward, it's costing me five and five thousand dollars. So it's just like it's such like a, a a big hit on people. It's such a big deal to go and pay a guy one hundred fifty bucks, and he's like texting on his phone. He's not paying attention. Right. Like, come on. Yeah, I, I was just gonna say something that we've seen a rise of people complain. I think. Uh, would you agree that right now, like compared to the the first days when MMA started seeing mainstream success in like TV and uh, the pay per view sales, more people that are watching have a deeper understanding of the intricacies of all parts of of mma than they did like at towards the beginning like there's a growth there yes for sure people are way more knowledgeable now i think in the beginning people understood like knockouts and they were like they were booing you know the second the fight hit the ground i think people understand a little bit better now some people still don't know but i think a lot more people understand like they can they can tell when someone's getting a guard passed or they can tell when someone's you know in a bad place or an arm lock or a submission or something Okay, so uh, we a lot of people have said that the way forward isn't judges per se, but sort of like crowd crowd crowdsourced uh, live judging of events. You'll see like Instagram pages, like I think one is named Live Judging, where it, it'll it'll ask people to vote on what the round was scored. You know, do you think there's any any validity to that? Or not, it's still not yet, like, not yet, because yeah. you're still it's a, you're fl- might as well flip a coin. Flip a coin. You're doing the same thing. You know, like it's because then you get a guy, you're trying to tell me that if Conor McGregor is fighting Khabib, they, <laughs> the, the Irish wouldn't have won the bet. Oh, the entire yeah, time. Yeah. We're going to crowdsource it. Oh, 82% of the, of the vote thought that, you know, Conor won that because he got beat up the entire time and got mangled and everything else. Like, but he's Conor McGregor. <laughs> yeah. there, was, there was a fight recently where, um, I forget what show it was. Um, there's a guy that got submitted. One of the fighters got submitted in like the second round. So the fight got ended, right? The judge handed in his card and had that guy winning the round. Yeah, it's insane. It's like, dude, it's like, it's so bad. You know? So oh, I think that man. like, there's definitely, there's a part of it that's on the judges, right? For sure. Like, There's bad judges. That, that part needs to be rectified. Um, but there needs to be some kind of better criteria, right? Even if it's not a good criteria, give me something a little bit more definitive. You know what I mean? Like, give me like, you know, give me three points for grappling Give me three points for striking. And then, you know, like maybe you, you know, if, if I dominate the grappling and the submissions, maybe I get three points for the grappling and the other guy gets zero, right? If the other guy, you know, beat me up on the feet of the striking and I didn't do much to him, maybe he gets the three for striking. But then maybe you kind of, you, 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 you 
scale it somehow based on where the, the majority of the fight was. Okay. Like, well, I won the grappling. He won the striking, but it was mostly on the feet. So he's going to get it. There needs to be something more clear as far as that goes. Like football is like, you know, you know, you get seven points or touchdown, six points or touchdown, and then the extra point or two point conversion or a field goal. Like it's, it's very cut and dry. So you know, I will I will defend not having that in one way, and you can you maybe this will help you. Oh maybe yeah. give you a reference for it. I'm not. Yep. I would never. I would never go against what you have to say. No, to no, 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 no. I'm, just, I'm just examples. I'm just, I don't. So, I, just, I wish I, we had a more solid criteria. I think the reason why they don't have a distinguishable scoring system in an MMA fight is this. It's simply because if I'm in the third round and I know, and they still do it anyway, but you see a lot of guys lose fights that way. Perfect example was Johnny Hendricks from GSP. He thought he had the bag, went out there and took a nap in, in the fifth round and ended up losing yep. the fight. Um, the reason why they don't do that is that on the other side. So like if I had a fight with you and I, you know, it was yep. a great fight, it takes away the idea of a puncher's chance because now I know I'm up by – 15 points i know distinguishably okay i am up by 15 points because i see a scoreboard right there so now in the fifth round i can literally run around in circles and i don't have to fight anymore in the third round i don't have to fight anymore i think what it does is it maintains that level of competitiveness so in my opinion just my opinion on this i feel like the answer isn't changing the rules the answer is just making sure guys are more educated man just get guys in there that know the sport start outsourcing the guys that are black belts in jiu-jitsu or guys that have been training there's plenty of them out there i know a ton of them out there they would love to judge mma fights they would, you're good babe <laughs> hi babe let me see let me see let me see what you made let me see what you made let me see what you made honey. my wally i made he made a nice wally. work nice work bubba oh <laughs> awesome. i love that movie it's a good movie that's great joey i like that wally i like it <laughs> yep hey joe it looks like joe joe, joe. Joe, Joe, can you if you want to take a break and we'll just talk with joey that's cool like, i want to <laughs> <laughs> so he's, he's he's been really big lately about uh doing like arts and crafts stuff so like every day he's making like he wakes up like it's great because he doesn't wake up me and my wife he just lets us sleep for a little bit so he can have like six <laughs> He's like, oh, I made a monster. I made a robot. It's like it's the best to go. Like, buy him all the art supplies he wants. Oh this is the God. world we live in, by the way. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's just have your kid walk yeah. up. No big deal. We're cool with it. We're yeah, cool. Whatever. With it. I know. How, so are, let's change. how are you Sorry. doing with the quarantine and everything? We kind of ask all our guests that, but just uh, like specifically as okay. a family man, you know. We're okay. So my, my wife is a nurse at Children's Hospital in Boston. So so she's had a bunch of like COVID patients and, and all that kind of stuff. So that that part's a little bit hard, you know. Uh, everyone, luckily, we've all been healthy so far, so that part's good. Um, but it's just, it's a, it's a little stressful because at any point she's going to, she's going to get the coronavirus, you know, whether it's, you know, from a patient or it's like, it's like, they'll have like, she'll have a patient that's there for someone else. It's like, so she has like a lot of like, uh, patients could be like new onset diabetics. So like they're there for teaching. Right. So Katie's there and she spends a lot of time with like the patient and then the patient's family and that kind of stuff. And they're just in close proximity. And maybe, maybe someone's got the, you know, COVID that is not diagnosed yet. It's going to give it to her and bring it home. And just like, so it's, it's a little bit stressful because of that kind of stuff. Uh, but overall we're, we're okay. You know, Jim, Jim's not like, obviously yeah, I'm, my, my gym is just hanging on by a thread. Yeah. See how that, I, I'm sure every gym is kind of the same, the same boat. Um, yeah, but I, I don't even want to talk about that. It's it's such a sad, such a sad little thing on the horizon yeah. that I'm trying to not even bring up. Because, well, I mean, yeah. obviously, but it's, it's, it's frightening, frightening. Yeah. I, I'm worried about, the recent renaissance of jujitsu and, and MMA really taking a really strong hit because of all this stuff. I think it'll be okay. I think, you know, there's definitely going to be schools that were just hanging on just barely that are right. going to go under because of this, you know, like 
I think that there's a lot of gyms that are like run like more of a more of like a commercial kind of gym. Like they understand what's going on. Like obviously right. Matt and Midget and my gym. Right. Like I think I think those gyms are like people that you know put a lot of thought just as much as we, as we put a, much, a lot of thought in jujitsu and everything else. We put the time into thinking about our businesses. Then I think that those gyms are going to kind of stick around. I think when yeah. you have gyms that are like just barely hanging on before, yeah, I think that, that those gyms are going to have some trouble. Yeah. Yeah. So, so let's change the conversation here a little. We we, we talked yep. in that we beat that we beat the MMA judge. It was good good yep. input. But so I, <laughs> I, I, I also talk. real quick. I also love that. Like, oh, what about crowdsourcing? And Joe Lozon's like, you forgot the Irish exist. Like, ah, <laughs> well, that the is Irish. that's one hundred percent the truth. I mean, there's no way in hell if you think judges are impartial. Think about them. dudes that's family are in the audience. I mean, there there's no way you get an audience to be impartial. <laughs> or maybe the other way around. No, maybe freaking all the Russians. Well, like they're yeah. crazy. Like I get so many like messages from Russians on Instagram. Like I have no idea what they're saying. I can't translate it because they're sending me DMs. No idea. I think they're fans. They, <laughs> they generally seem to be like good things, but like I don't know. You know, like but you know, Khabib Khabib fighting someone else, and Khabib gets knocked out. But all the Russian fans all have their botnet going, and they just they're all voting. Oh no, Khabib won. Khabib smashed. I'm more concerned about an angry Russian fan being mad at me than I am about an angry right. Irish fan. The Irish guy's just yeah. going to get drunk. The Russian guy <laughs> might actually come after you. <laughs> Dude, it's crazy. So, so let's talk a little bit more about, about toughness. Because I, I, one of the things that I always think about you when I think about you, and I brought it up in the first, the first question I asked you, is what a tough – rugged warrior fighter that you are i mean obviously you're a technical fighter but but just just listening from your own accord like coming up in the early days maybe you weren't as well rowdy didn't have really have his actual technically sounded training as you might have liked of course you got into that you understood yep. that you needed that if you, if you moved on what do you think about the idea of being a, a warrior versus a technician and and obviously there's going to be outliers on both sides so there's going to be outliers on the technical side and there's going to be outliers on the toughest side that allow them to rise up into the ranks but what do you think needs to be there's a, what what percentage of both do you think need to be incorporated in a particular fire to make them successful um so obviously it's a sliding scale right you, you can't have a guy that's super technical but the second he gets hit he goes down right and you also can't get a guy that's a, that's super tough but has no technique and just goes out there and wings punches, right? You got to kind of be in the middle. Um, I think honestly, you got to be like 50, 50 or like maybe 60, 40 brawler, I think is, is more exciting, you know, cause you got to think. So fighting is more of a, um, it's a, it's a spectator sport, right? It's, it's sports entertainment, right? It's a sport, but it's all about like the reason, like, so Dominic Cruz is fighting Cejudo, right? Dominic Cruz ranked like six, right? Why did he get, why did he skip over the other five guys? A couple of things. One, Dominic Cruz is super technical, right? They like Dominic Cruz because he, he does all their broadcast stuff. And he's just a great mind and he just speaks well. Um, he's had tons of success whenever he fights. He's just, he's slipped down rankings because he's been injury prone. And he's got hurt and things like that, right? So, but it's, but he's getting the fight because it's entertainment, right? He's going to give great interviews. He's going to be awesome. He can back it up when he does fight. Um, so you gotta, you gotta be, I think you gotta be a little bit more exciting than boring and winning, right? Like even Floyd Mayweather, right? Who's like a super technical boxer, right? But he's super technically sound, like with defensively, right? He's got great offense too, but he's known for his defensive skills, right? Some some Mayweather fights are, are great for someone that enjoys boxing to watch, right? But the casual fan, they're going to go and spend $70 to watch Mayweather and have him not throw three punches in a round. Right. It's just like, it's it's hard, you know? You need to you need to entertain people, you know? And I, I think-, think- I think you're gonna. I, I just think that when you're when you're trying to entertain people, you know, fans in general as a whole would rather watch two guys covered in blood swinging for the fences that have no technique 
if, if rather than get two guys that are super technical and just barely missing each other and, and not connecting. I always say that to, to young fighters, young fighters that I work on. And I always use you as a perfect example of that myself, yeah. to tell you the truth. Like, it's important. It's very, so you, you got to have technique. You got to be smart. Yep. You got to be able to, to, to win fights. But you also have to remember that this is a business. Yep. And the business is entertainment. As much as guys, and that's the one thing that fighters and fans and, and old school uh, old school guys that like to talk about, well, brawl, and these guys don't do anything. They're just brawl, and they're super tough, but there's no like technique to it. You have to understand that at the end of the day, all we're doing is to pay bills, is to keep yep. asses in seats and to be entertaining. So yep. I think in that idea, when I think about that, I think about as a young fighter, yeah, you know, if you're an amazing wrestler and you're just going to take somebody down and hug them, maybe you get a couple wins at it, but you're not going to get on a big show that way. They're, you, know, you might. You eventually you'll break through if you're a grinder, but you're never going to be on somebody's radar unless you're out there finishing fighters or finishing fights. So it's important to think about that because, again, you're taking a little bit of risk because if you're a big wrestler, you take somebody down, you hold them there, right? Then, then that's yep. an easy win for you. But by opening up and saying, okay, cool, I'm going to go out and go for the kill, it helps you along that loan. So I think as a young fighter, you need to be able to go out there and win. And I think when you use the idea of Mayweather, I think of the same thing as GSP. Towards the end of your career, like it's okay to start focusing now on longevity. Because you've made a name for yourself. You know, you put yourself in a position where you can sell fights like Mayweather or GSP just being yourself. So maybe you're boring in a sense, but you still win. And it yep. keeps your career going because you're not taking those chances. Yep. So I've talked to I've talked to Matt a bunch. And like I'm gonna use the example, kind of throw him under the bus a little bit, but Billy Q. Right. right. So Billy, he wants to always fight the toughest guys. He wants to go out there and have like fight night performances on like small local shows before he's in the UFC. Right. And I'm like, I kept telling Matt, I'm like, I understand. Like, and coming from me, I've had all kinds of fight of the nights. I've had all kinds of bonus. I've had like fights where I got beat up. I had fights that were just wars and brawls and stuff. Right. And I'm telling, I'm, I mean, Billy, I'm telling you, you do not want to have those fights on the small local shows where you're not going to get paid for it. If you get to the UFC and you want to those fights, go for it. Go get your $50,000. That's the time it makes more sense, you know, but you need to, you need to take smart fights. It's not fighting the toughest guys in the world. It's, you can't have snooze fest fights. But you need to fight smart fights and, and get you know get in front of Dana for the Ultimate Fighter or the Dana White Contender Series or whatever else. And I think that's kind of more of the the play now. And it's worked out better for the UFC now that they have the Dana White Contender Series and the Ultimate Fighter. And all that's, a, that's a great addition to the UFC, man. That Contender because, Series is awesome. Because now this is what happens: guys have to show they can win. They have to get a good record, and they have to show they can win. Have decently exciting fights to get on the show. And then they get that fight in front of Dana when the lights are on and they get their opportunity to have a great, exciting fight and they still have to win, but to have a great, exciting fight. And if you get a guy that is, you know, 12 and 0, but he's a, a, a boring wrestler that's going to take someone out and lay on him, he's not going to get past the Dana White show. He's going to get on there like, oh, he won, but, you know, that's not what we want. That's not interesting. We don't want that guy. And he's not going to get any further, you know? Whereas sometimes you get guys that, like, maybe don't have the best record, but they have, they fight their balls off, like a, like a Matt Favola. Right, it's gonna you know go out there and be a maniac and have a great fight, and you know they're gonna love them. So I'll say what well, just to back it up, I'd, I'd say one thing about the idea of being a brawler. It's important to realize that young fighters out there, you think you're invincible, but in reality, you yes. only got four more. You only have you only have a finite number of those brawling battles and wars in you believe it or not eventually your body gives up your mind gives up you just don't have it in you anymore to dig in deep for that you don't, you don't get all you don't get too many so don't waste them on bullshit and the other thing on that too is like guys need to be smarter about you know sparring and being a tough guy in the gym right no one got anything ever by being a tough guy in the gym no one cares we had one of our guys uh so calvin cater is fighting jeremy stevens next week 
right? So one of one of my guys was sparring with Calvin. This is like before the lockdown. This is a couple months ago. And you know, and my guy was going at, at Calvin a little bit harder, and not 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 too hard, but just like was was a little more intense than Calvin was being. And Calvin turns it up, and Calvin hits my guy and drops him and, and puts him down, right? And my guy pops back up to his feet right away. Definitely got concussion, right? Slight right. concussion. Definitely down. He's up. He's like, I want to keep going. I want to keep going. We pull him right away. We're not going to let him, you know, we're not going to let him go again. And he's like, no, I want to go. I'm okay. I'm okay. And like, you're not okay. You, you're, you're done for the day. hundred percent, you know, cause we're not going to argue with him. Right. We just don't let him know he's done. And then, you know, like the next day he starts texting like, Oh, I was like, you were right. I didn't realize the time, but I definitely, I wasn't good. You know, and we didn't let him get hit for like, it was like a month and a half. And then we had the lockdown. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's, it's so important to guys. Like it's, I understand like it's a, it's a rough sport, right? You're going to get concussions. You're going to get hit. You're going to, I mean, that's the nature of the Part sport. Of the game. Right? It's what you do. You get hit in the face. That's what happens. But, but you can't, you can't, you can obviously try to be more technical and not get in the brawls of people and be smart about who you're going with to, to minimize that. Right. But when it does happen, you have to be incredibly um, disciplined about making sure you take care of it. Like anytime I've got any kind of concussion, um, it's like minimum of like two months before I have anything come back in my head. I've had fights, like all those fights that people saw where I got, you know, I definitely got concussions and I got beat up. Right. I didn't spar for three to six months after some of those fights. Right. Because you have to, you have to take care of your brain. And I think that's helped a lot as far as like longevity for me. You know, I'm not, I'm not drawing all over myself. I'm not, uh, I'm not forgetting things all the time. Um, you have to be smart about, you know, recovery and stuff like that. Another thing, like, and I, I tried to preach about this, but I feel like it comes no, up because I think it's important. Please do Joe, because okay. I think this, I believe if someone suffers from some, some concussions, I boxed a long time ago when no yep. one gave a shit about that. stuff. So I think another thing. So like one thing is like, I've never had alcohol in my entire life and I don't like, I don't hate on people. Like I don't, I'm not upset. Like I have no problem. Like I'm the Disney driver for my wife. Every single time we go out, she can have whatever she wants. Don't care. And go with my friends. I'm, I'm always willing to be the driver. Like, I don't care, right? I just never drank, right? And I'm not, like, preaching, oh, no one should drink alcohol. I just, I never started. I had bad alcohol to my mom's side of the family, so I just never started. And since I was 16, I've always had fights coming up. So I just, it was always a kind of a good excuse to not drink, right? But I can't help but think that, like, all these guys that fight, like, how, how often you see guys, they go and fight, and then they get shit-faced for two weeks after, after the fight. They right, 100% had concussion problems. 100%. Any, anytime you fight, anytime you spar, your yep. brain is getting jarred yep. every single time. So now it's like, okay, they've gone two months or however long they've gone without having any alcohol and not drinking, hopefully, right? And they get all the way up to the fight. And then after they they drink because they're upset and they're, and they're sad or they drink because they're happy. That's right. right. So like you, you get your head smashed in and then you just flood it with alcohol and poison it. And then, and then you wonder why you're having problems, you know, like. Um, so I definitely like, I try to get preachy about it, but I think that's like such an important thing. Like about as far as fighters go, like you had a fight, you, you definitely damage your brain. Don't make it worse by going on get shit faced. I think that's why like, there's a lot of guys that have had like a lot of, um, you know, like they're, they're kind of punchy. And I think a lot of it's because they, they, they go out and they get smashed, they get concussions, then they go and get smashed drinking. I, I talk about that a lot, and I do not mind people that bring it up because that's one of the things that I always want my young fighters to understand, the people that I work with are younger. When you're, when you're, when you're in your 20s, you're not going to see the effects because you're invincible because you don't, you're, you're, your body, your metabolism kicks so hard. You're not thinking about not being able to find your keys because you're still functioning on such a high level that that shit's not going to bother you. 
it starts to bother you in your late 30s. It starts to bother you in your 40s. And the, the damage you did in your 20s, the reckless lifestyle you live in your 20s, catches up with you really fast. I'm, I'm not going to make any like medical declarations. I can only go off of what I've seen. But a big thing that people that got pe- a lot of people talking about this topic in particular was just like uh, Nick, Nick Diaz. Uh, like yep. past interviews compared to like some of his more recent media appearances, you, you get the sense that the guy uh, is not the same. That's like, I'm not, it's that there's a difference there in terms of how he's able. There's so much, there, there's so many variables in it though. Is it like, is it from the drinking? Is it from all the weed he smoked? Is it from, you know, all the, has he done harder stuff? Like how much, how many times has he gone, you know, I had other hard weekends or whatever, doing whatever else. Like who knows exactly, you know, like, um, there's, there's so many areas. Is it part of his diet? You know, they, they, they eat crazy, like vegan and all this other stuff. Like I see, is his brain a little bit more, you know, affected because of that stuff? Like there's, it's really hard to tell, but I just like, I, I don't think anyone would say, you know, it's against common sense to say that, oh, drinking a lot of alcohol after getting a concussion is good for you. No, no, right. No. It's like, it's, there's no way it's good for you. No, no way. You know? I think it's important that as coaches, just like you said earlier with your learning fighter, that we look out for these guys we yeah. say because they're not gonna do it they're not gonna police themselves because they're, no. they're they're stupid they think I they're, love, yeah. the same thing that makes you an amazing fighter is the yep. same thing that, that, that yep. harms you it's the idea that you think you're invincible and, and you could drive through anything and be tough and pass through anything but it's our job as coaches to make sure that we keep these guys safe and i think it's yep. very important and I'm, I'm proud of you for taking that stance joe i think it's a big thing for for, for coaches to do gotta look out for them they're not gonna look after themselves yeah, we, we definitely we talked with uh, Ray Longo the other day, and his he was definitely uh, just number one through ten priorities were his fighters. You know, in yep. terms of just how they're doing with like how this is going to affect their momentum, how they're doing mentally, how they're doing health wise, just like making sure that they're training at home, but also just getting rest and being safe and being present uh, yep. in their lives. Are you having to do that with like your, your teammates and the and the guys that you're working with, just checking in on them? Uh, I've been checking with them. Like I, I don't think it's it hasn't been crazy. Like I don't I don't feel like it's like a super big thing. Like I'm telling all my guys, like I don't want to see you guys training. Like I I know some of my guys like they're getting together, they're grappling each other's garages and they're doing this. I'm like, you guys, you're just being assholes. I understand. Like I want to train. I want to do stuff. I want to you know I, I want to do everything that you guys are doing. You know, but like, it's just not going to be worth it. It's going to take one person's mother's going to die or something like that. Yeah. It's going to be like, maybe it's from you guys doing jujitsu in the garage. Maybe it's not. Who knows? I don't know. Like, we don't really know. Yeah. Um, it's so tough to, you know, really rule it out and say, you you know, you know, create your exposure to be zero, you know, limited to zero, you know, because you go to the gas station, you could get it. Could do, I could stay in my house and not see anybody, but I go to the gas station and I can pick it up off the pump. You know, it's just, it's, it's so hard to tell what's going on. Whereas my friend could be doing jitsu every single day and then not go to that gas station and not get it and be fine. It's like, it's really hard. Um, I but think I, I agree with you. It's going to take a body count. It's going to take dead body stacked up yep. before people realize. You well, you know, it's just, hopefully the government like starts to clamp down on 5g towers. You know, they, they wake <laughs> up. <laughs> All the anti-vaxxers and all that. Ladies and gentlemen, I just tried to joke about that with a computer scientist, which is just a terrible idea. It's crazy. It's crazy. So let's 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 talk. I want, we'll get back to you. I want to talk about you because I, I want I got a few questions. We're it's getting we're we're getting towards the end here. I want to get you. So I want to get some good opinions in you because I want to talk okay. about some some of your amazing career stats and some of the things that you've accomplished in in, right. in your uh, in your career. That's so. Good. You've been in amazing wars, and we keep saying that. I'm going to keep saying it because you deserve it. <laughs> Who do you believe 
based upon your career, what do you believe were some of your toughest fights? And maybe the one you feel like was just the toughest fight where you were like, I don't know if I'm going to get through this or not. Um, I mean, every fight, every fight's tough for different reasons, right? It's like, I don't, I don't think about it as like, like there's not like one particular fighter that was super tough because we're all doing the same thing, right? We all have different attributes. We all have different strengths and weaknesses. Um, you know, and it's also like, it's, it's also like what happened during camp, what happened in the prep, you know, for the fight. Um, one, one fight that was like a, a camp that was like, was going great until like three weeks out was I fought Evan Dunham, right? And Evan Dunham is like a badass, like black belt jujitsu, really good stand up, really good wrestling. He's big for the weight class. Like he's long, like he's just like every possible, you know, issue you could have, he, you know, is going to come your way from, from Evan Dunham. Right. And I was having a really good camp. Everything was good. And then uh, I was sparring. It was like three weeks out and I threw a right uppercut. And as I threw the uppercut, I ended, my, my partner got a little bit close to me and I kind of bended my wrist in like this. So like I threw the uppercut, but I jammed my wrist sideways. Right. And I just jammed it. And I was like, ah, so like I shook my hand out. We stopped sparring right away because we're pretty good about sparring. So if we have some kind of injury or something like that, it, it makes no sense whether it's you got dropped in the gym or something got hurt or whatever. It makes no sense to try and push through because if it hurt off of that, you try to push through, you're just going to make it worse, right? So, like, we stop right away. I think it's not going to be a big deal. I tape up my wrist for, like, a week. I think it's going to be okay. I try to train again. Wrist is really hurt. Like, I couldn't I couldn't open up. I couldn't hold up, like, a, a can of soda. I couldn't open a Gatorade bottle. I couldn't do anything with my right hand. Couldn't put my right hand in my pocket. It was so bad. Mm. So, um, so, but now we're three weeks out. Like, what do we do? Like, I've already done the bulk of camp. I'm, I'm literally have, like, a week and a half left of training, and then we leave for fight week. Like, what do we do? You know, so I, I go to a doctor, they see about, you know, what's going to go on. They do give me a cortisone shot for my wrist and it makes it, it magically feel a hundred times better. And like, I'm able to box a little bit and with boxing gloves, it feels fine. I think it's going to be okay. And then, you know, we get there for the fight. We make weight. Everything goes good. We're warming up in the back room. And now for the first time, because we haven't been doing it, I've been punching boxing gloves. I put on the MMA gloves wow. and I go to punch them in. And I'm like, oh, mm, like my hand is like, it is not okay. Like, I think it's okay. I, I don't think it's okay, but I think it's like 80 or 90%. And I realize it's like 30%. Right. So now it's like, what am I going to do? I made weight. I'm <laughs> in the locker room. I got my hands wrapped. I'm ready to go. I'm fucking here now. So <laughs> here we go. Here we go. You know, like, and, and it's a fight where like it was a, it's a super tough fight to begin with. Right. It's like he's a black one jitsu. He's got great jujitsu. He's got great wrestling. He's got great stand up. Uh, you know, so he beat me up for three rounds. I, I fought, I was in the fight the whole time. But like I just I was I did not win a second of the fight, right? He was he just I'm, I was a human punching bag out there, you know. So that was like a really really hard fight. Like that was like I remember like he threw a kick like in the third round and like I blocked it up, but his foot kind of came around like my and kind of got me the toes. And I'm like, ah, oh, the fuck? Why am I here? This is so stupid. Um, you know, it's like every but every fight is a little different, right? Every fight had different things, whether it was like an injury during camp or it was just you know they just did something unexpected. Like they just, you know, they came out and did something unexpected. I fought Anthony Pettis and it was a super short fight because he kicked me in the head. Uh, but he came out as a southpaw. You know, we, we weren't ready for that. Like if I'm sp sparring a, against a, if I'm fighting a southpaw, every single sparring part I'm going to have for the entire camp is going to be a southpaw. I'll, I will not step foot in front of a righty. Same thing if I'm fighting a righty, I'm not going to step foot in front of a southpaw. You know, but he's a righty, but he came out as a southpaw. I'm like, oh shit. And I fought a lot of southpaws, so I knew what to do. But it just like, it threw me off for like a split second. Like all the things we had planned on and worked on all at the window and then he kicks me in the head and all I remember is being in the back room and then ripped my gloves off. I'm like, ah, oh, that didn't go very well. Did it? Like, no, no, it did not. 
So let's let let me let me let me let me ask you another. One. Let me ask Poison in this in yep. this direction. So, um, I think that when I when I think of someone that's tough, yep. I think of the idea of someone that you know doesn't have to be strong, doesn't have to be the best technician, but someone that is their will is unbreakable. Yep. Someone that's just there's nothing you can do, no matter what you throw at this guy for some damn reason, they just keep coming. It's like the Terminator. Yep. Um, do you feel like when you fight, you use your your toughness and your ability to not break in order to help to break people's uh, desire? Because I don't care how technical how technical you are, how 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 strong you are. If your will to win is broken by another by another person's indomitable spirit, I think that is the deciding factor at the highest levels of fighting. What do you yeah, one hundred percent that happens. Like so, one of the things that guys tell me that uh, like uh, sparring partners that I deal with all the time is like my. Not to say like my footwork as far as like being fancy and like, you know, stepping around and being, you know, weird like that and technical like that. But just I do a really good job of bringing like forward pressure and kind of like, you know, forcing people to the fence. I do a really good job of controlling the cage. And it, it, it definitely happens a lot of times when I fight too. Um, but like inspiring, like they're seeing it all the time. It's not like it's a once in a while thing. It's like a consistent every single day. I think it's a little more apparent. Um, yeah. And I think that definitely, you know, like, you know, keeping up, keeping hands up, good defense and just walking people down. And no matter what they throw you, it sucks when you, you throw a whole bunch of punch at someone and like, like we do a lot of like drilling. Right. So like, if I know what you're going to punch, what you're going to throw, it's very easy to, to, to catch it and counter it. Right. But if I just catch and I walk closer and I catch and I walk closer and I catch and I walk closer, it's kind of like, you don't even want to throw the punch because you know, it's going to be a complete waste. You know, you're wasting energy and you know, that counter might be coming back. Um, so yeah, I, I definitely, when I fight, I definitely try to do the same thing. I try to just eat up space and try to, you know, just like pursue people with good defense and sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely think that that's like a, definitely a, a big tool that we try to I, use a lot. I think it's cool that you bring that up too, about the fact that when you spar with your partners, they, they, they know your game. So obviously it's, yeah. they're, they're not going to be as apt, adapt to, or, or, or easy to, to get to with what your, your bread and butter is. I think it's always fun for me when I compete and I tell people that I know that are competing that like, what you're going to find is, is the things that are your bread and butter go-tos are going to yeah. work so much better so much when better. you're going to get someone that you're not yep. showing the same yeah, uh, you know, route to success. Spe day in specifically and day for me, like I just, I the, my last tournament was the NJ Fed before the coronavirus really ramped up, and um, I have this like sequence of pulling guard into like a sit up sweep from like a, it's it's just basically like I, I try to like pull guard right into a a single leg stand up immediately sort yep. of situation, and I haven't pulled that off in like two months successfully in live. <laughs> oh, you guys know it. Yeah, yeah they're like, oh, yep. Kevin, you suck. And then they'll bully me and yep. then they'll just like noogie me. They won't even yep. submit me. They'll just like noogie me and like spit yep. on me. <laughs> I love you, Ruben. Um, no, but that like it, it worked out. It was really oiled well the minute I needed it to be, which I, yep. I it felt really reassuring to know that like you need to go out into the real world every yep. now and again. So one of, one of my guys, Andy, he has like an awesome – an awesome, awesome misdirection shot, right? So, like, I stand, I, I stand as an orthodox, like I'm a, I'm a righty, so like my left foot is forward, and he always like he always drops like he's gonna hit a single, and he slaps you the inside of my leg, and he expects everyone else to step backwards, and he shoots a swing single on the other leg, right? So like he he hits taps my front leg, I step back with that leg, and he shoots a swing single on the rear leg, and like he hits it so freaking well on everybody because they all you know you know they they react to his his misdirection. I just don't react at all. I just leave my foot right there and he will never, ever, ever take me down. It's the only takedown he can hit. 
And it drives him crazy because he's so good. He used to just tech people when in high school, he would just tech people with that misdirection <laughs> shot. He would slap at their leg. They would always step back and he would shoot the other side. And I just, I just know like there's no way he's going to double leg me. His double leg is trash. So I just, I just don't react at all. I just look at him and just. <laughs> well, that would freak me out. Like what psychopath isn't going to pull the leg back? Yeah. But, that, I know, but, I know him. <laughs> but I know him, but no one else does. So like they, he, the misdirection works on everybody else. It just doesn't work on me. So that, that, that's the same thing as what you were saying. Oh man. Um, I, I have like a real quick question just uh, to go back to you saying that when you fought Pettis, he fought, he came out as a, Oh, hang on one second. Yep. He came out as a, he came out as a southpaw. Yep. And that uh, that didn't work with your your prep. Yep. Has there ever been a time where like a situation has happened uh, during the fight that you were preparing for that you ex- like it was exactly what you prepared for? Has there ever been a moment where you just immediately go into what you were drilling and it, yep. it comes out on top it's, for you? It's, hap- it's happened in a ton of fights. So like, we're we're super specific in like things that we drill and things we try to use as triggers. Um, couple, couple of things quick. Uh, I fought Gomi and I took him down like effortlessly. Like I threw it, we worked on throwing like a slap hook. So, so he's, he, again, he's a southpaw. So I try to keep my foot to the outside of his foot and I would throw my right hand with kind of, it's a kind of a, a decent right hand, but I would just go right hand, left hook. And when he brings his hand up to stop the left hook, we would shoot a, a single leg. Right. And it's just, it was a go-to thing. We, but we, we, we took him down like effortlessly. Uh, so it worked great against Gomi. When I fought uh, Kurt Warburton, who only had a couple fights in the UFC, but we worked a lot on like a slipping off and come back with a right hand left hook, and I dropped him with those uh, beautifully. Um, when I fought um, when I fought Jens Pulver in the very beginning, my first fight in the UFC, um, we worked a lot on right hand again, right hand left hook, and you know really burying the hook really hard so we could you know get him to keep his hands up, and if he kept his hands up, we could shoot on the single and take him down, and I did that beautifully right off the beginning of the fight. And then, you know, he managed to get to the fence. He got back up. And then I did the same thing again, but this time he sprawled because I had taken him down once and I hit him clean with the hook, which is exactly part of the game plan, right? It's like you're making him make a choice, right? Does he keep his hands up and not get knocked out? Or does he drop his hands and try to defend the takedown, right? I, I don't have to guess right. He has to guess right. So if I throw a heavy hook and he keeps his hands up, nothing lost. If I throw a heavy hook and he drops his hands, he gets knocked out, right? If I, if I throw the heavy hook and then I go to the single, then I, I take him down. Or if he, you know, it's, it's just, it's, it's kind of like a game. Like it's, he has to be perfect and I don't have to be perfect. I have to just get me right once. Um, so like we, we have like a lot of, a lot of our game plans for fights or, you know, something similar to that where we, we basically make them make a choice and we have two different, you know, things that we're going to attack off like a similar situation. Um, but yeah, there's been, there's been a lot of fights that have gone just like exactly as we wrote it up. Uh, okay. when, I fought, when I fought Jamie Varner, we worked on like a, we double leg me, he, shoot, he shoots a blast double. So two things happen. One, he breaks his right hand all the time in particular. So we let him punch me in the top of the head a whole bunch. I just stayed in his face the entire time, my head down and he broke his hand on my head and then <laughs> dead serious. Yeah. And then, uh, he shoots a blast double. So we worked uh, on the blast double getting a double overhooks and sweeping him. And I got the sweep and then I ended up jumping a triangle, which is kind of improv a little bit, but, but the sweep was perfect. It was exactly, it was exactly what we worked on. It was like probably the only thing we worked on that entire camp. I remember that fight. That's such an, that's an awesome. You went that, that wizard and you jumped into the frigate. That's I use that. Yeah. I think about that. I actually spent about two or three weeks practicing that and working yeah, that off of like a single leg come up after watching that fight. That's so that's taking, awesome. taking the back and jumping the triangle was something I've been doing like for years and years and years. Right. Um, but doing it off of that sweep was, was brand new. I, I hadn't done that in forever, but we worked on that sweep a lot, but it just, and we got fight of the night and we got submission tonight for that fight. Like it was just a great fight. 
you know, but there's been a lot of fights where we were like super specific on prep and drilling and, and it came through in the fight. So one, one quick, and I'll, I'll try to tie this up because I got one more quick question for you. And I, yeah. I got something that I'm curious about. So to, to young fighters out there that you know that are coming up, because this is you're talking to someone that is a legendary figure of the MMA world. Like I am always, always impressed with your longevity. And when I start to think about things, when I talk about greatest of all time, I think that one of the essential ingredients to that is longevity because it's not just being able to fight forever. It's being able to stay employed forever. Cause we talked yep. about you, the UFC is a business. We yep. talked about the idea that, you know, this is a business. And at the end of the day, if you're not making money for the business, you're not doing your job. Therefore we cannot continue to pay you. So yep. I have, a, I have one quick question for you. How important, talking to young fighters do you feel like it is to understand that this is your opportunity and you have to perform under the lights you have to be able to go out there and do it when it matters and be able to put on an exciting fight when the opportunity arises for you to do that because i know a lot of guys that aren't good at that what yep. do you think about that what do you think about things you could help would say to young fighters to help them out so like i was saying about like the billy q thing before right you don't want to have fight of the night you know, performance when you're fighting on a, a local Tampa show and we're making a thousand bucks, right? Do right. when you're fighting in the UFC, you're going to make 10 and 10 and maybe $50,000 bonus. Like th that's when it, it kind of matters. You have to think like every single fighter is its own little business, right? For the UFC, right? It's like, if I have a fight and I fight someone else, right? Okay. What is this fight going to cost them? What is my show money? What's their show money? What's our win money? You know, what is this going to cost the show? Right. And then what are we going to bring to the show? I can't expect to like, you want all this money. Every, everyone wants to make more money, right? Everyone wants to make more money no matter what their job is, no matter what they do, whether it's fighting or it's landscaping or it's, you know, building houses or whatever. Everyone wants to get more money for what they do. So you have to basically, um, you know, have a product that's going to you know be valuable to people that they want to continue to pay you, right? There's, there's two ways to go about things. You can try to get all the money, as much money as you can right off the bat and have them give it to you for a couple fights and cut you, or you can give them like good value for a very long time. And I've had a whole lot of fights. Like I think it's twenty. I think it's twenty-seven fights in the UFC. Um, you know, and I've and I've been paid well for a lot of the fights, like towards the end. But in the beginning, like, it's like you're on the ultra fighter contract. I think like I was like eight or nine fights in, and I was at like ten and ten or twelve and twelve or something. You know, which is what guys get now to start. Right. You know, like it's. Um, you know, obviously, like my, when I fought Pulver, I, my, the show money, fighting show money was three thousand and three thousand. <laughs> That's crazy. Um, and now it's like you know, guys, you know, first fight in the UFC, you're like twelve and twelve, right? So it's like. You gotta be. You gotta kind of find like that sweet spot where it's it's good for the fighter and it's good for the promotion, and good for the show. Yeah. Um, and the other thing too is like you need to you need to work with the promotion. Like so many of these guys are just like super like just like not good employees, right? Well, I know, understand we're not employees. You know, we're we're contractors, but you need to one hand is gonna wash the other, right? Every time the UFC is asked to do anything, we've gone above and beyond in every possible way. And they've taken care of us. They've given us good opponents. They've given us good contracts. They've done all this other stuff for us. You can't just be like only out for yourself and then be upset when your your employer or whoever doesn't you know look out after you. Awesome, man, Joe, you're freaking awesome, dude. <laughs> so oh. I, I, I we you. had we had Ray Long Ray Long on Monday. You today, man. I can't tell you this is like like a dream for me to be able to talk to you guys, man. So that's, so I mean, not just again, just going back to listening to the way you talk. I mean. Even more than just your ability to fight and your ability to put on a good show, it, it's your character that I think separates you from other people. Because at the end of the day, when you talk about Tom Brady, you talk about these guys at, at, at New England, like talent gets you there, 
character keeps you there and makes you win and gives you and gives you gives you the championships and gets you to the top. And and you as a person, I think of not just as a competitor, not just as a super tough dude. I think of you and your character, particularly after talking to you today, that I feel like is your real strength, man. So, I appreciate it. I appreciate yeah, it. It's, it's it's easy to get there. It's harder to stick around. One hundred percent, man. 100%. I, I, I'm a little off put by the said that you uh, by the fact that you said you're gonna watch the Buccaneers games. You know, like. <laughs> Come on down. I, we'll I go to a game whenever you want. Tell me you're not, Tampa. You can't tell me you're not interested to see how it's going to go. Hey, look, I'll, I'll, it could do be a, it. I'll do it incognito mode. You know, It could, be a, no it could gonna... be a complete dumpster fire for the Buccaneers, right? They could think, oh, we got Tom Brady, we got Gronk, and it doesn't matter. You're if, they, if they taint Gronk and Brady's legacy just by having a longer of a season, that's going to If there's suck. even a season, if there's even a season, who knows? That's, that's kind of what like, we do down here in Tampa Bay, by the way. I don't know. I, I just wanted to oh, – well, yeah, yeah, sorry. Just, it's good. Uh, it's good either way because if Brady does great, if Brady and Gronk do great, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be really exciting. If they completely tank, that's going to be exciting too. It's just going to be like no matter what happens, it's going to be great. Okay. Well, I just wanted to – because we're a, technically a jiu-jitsu news outlet, I just wanted oh. to bring it back to BJJ for a second. Uh, you are – MMA superstar, no question about it. But, you know, we, lately we've seen a lot of uh, mainstream MMA guys doing public, like, grappling matches. Like, we just had Austin Vanderfort. Uh, surprisingly upstate, upset. Right? Uh, yeah, Boogie, friend of the show. Uh, it was an, it was an incredible performance. Like, it really it really shocked a lot of people. Like, a lot of people were saying, that's not how it's supposed to go. Is there any – there, are there any matchups that you would be interested in in that kind of space, like a submission underground, like jiu-jitsu, like cream of the crop? Who would you want to go up against? It, it, it would matter. You know, like up until now, like so like I, I did I did a grapple match in Metamorris against Dylan Dennis, and uh, and I lost in the first. Um, but it was it was fun. I had a great time doing it. Like it was – but it's it's me, you know, so I don't know if I'm 100% done fighting or if I would maybe fight again, like – I'm, I'm still on the roster. I'm still like, they're still, you know, I told them throw names at me, throw dates, you know, let me know what's going on. Um, you know, because if they sent me like a good matchup that I liked, I would hundred percent jump in and do it. Um, you know, so, but I get paid so much better to fight than I do to do grappling and jiu-jitsu. It's like, is it worth doing a jiu-jitsu match? You know, uh, obviously you saw, I'm sure you saw the Vinny thing with his leg or his ankle. You know what I mean? Like if, if I go and try and make all, oh, I'm going to get paid, you know, $5,000 to go to a grappling match. But now I can't fight for a year where I could have made cost you know, hundred grand, hundred to two hundred grand per fight. Right. It's right. just like, eh, it's like, does that really make sense? Didn't Cub Swanson like really injure himself towards ACL? Yeah. Towards oh ACL. man, that's. So uh, and like, he was just coming off of his win against Kron, and now yep. all that the momentum is gone. Yeah. So uh, just you got to kind of you got to kind of think. If I did, if I determined that I was a hundred percent done fighting, I would be more apt to doing it. But if I if I'm thinking I'm hundred percent done fighting, it means that I'm just I'm probably not going to train to the same extent. I'm not going to condition the same extent. Then it's like, do I really want to go and you know ruin it? So I don't know, but but I'm I'm definitely I'm down for whatever. Like I'm, it's I, I love jujitsu. I, I have fun doing jujitsu and grappling, and um, so I'd be down for whatever. Someone has names, tell them my way. We'll, we'll see what happens. All right, you heard it here first. First, Joe Lozon calling out the entire Danaher squad <laughs> all at once for a tattoo match. I think no. so. I went against Dylan Danis and Metamorphs, but I think it was supposed to be uh, Gary Tunnan first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some, got, somebody, oh, I remember that fight. Somebody yep. had to play to put him at the last minute. Have yep. you seen Gar- Have you seen Dylan's uh, uh, Bellator fights? Uh, yeah, yeah. And so I, he, so, <laughs> so that's kind of like similar. I obviously I don't have the same level of jiu-jitsu that he has, but uh, but that was similar to like how my early fights were. Right? It's like. You know, I have really good jiu-jitsu, and I'm, I'm the the disparity in jiu-jitsu is very similar, right? Real, like I had like good jiu-jitsu, and the guys I was fighting had no jiu-jitsu, 
He has very good jiu-jitsu, and the guys he's fighting have some jiu-jitsu. So it's, like, similar, you know, but, like, what do you expect? The guy's, like, he's he's making a big name for himself. He's getting paid way more for his early fights. You know, he's probably, you know, taking a, a big jump, uh, a, a faster jump than most people would. Uh, I'm sure, you know, the, the Connor influence has, you know, helped and hurt him, right, because now, like, he's talking this big game. Um, he acts like a super douchebag online. But like, I can tell you after the metamorphosis thing, he was super nice to me. Like he was like, he was super nice. Like we went, like went to metamorphosis. I think, I, I think I paid, we all went to cheesecake factory after you know, I, I paid <laughs> oh, for him. You know what I mean? Like there's a, it was like four or five of us. Um, so you can't blow up a spot like that. I know, you but it's like, <laughs> you, see him, you see him being like this big, super douchebag, but like, I think he was like living with his mom and like, you know, this nice quiet kid and just like, whatever, like. I think I, I think a lot of these guys, and, there's always the the person in the persona, you know. And a lot yes. of these guys, they're everybody wants everybody wants to make that Connor money. Everybody wants to yep. go out there. So of like course. the template now is to go out there and, and make a name for yourself as this big crazy lunatic that's going to sell fights and be be edgy and all these other things like that. But 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 I think at the end, and this is in fighting in general. Every time I've ever met anyone from the fight world, there's very few that I go, that guy's a dick. You know what I'm yeah. talking? Because it, you can't yeah. be a dick. You can't you be can. an asshole to you be don't that get successful. good. You, you don't, don't get, get good because you, know, no you, you know. Yeah, no, no one wants to train me, and I, you don't learn. You don't get better because you don't, you don't learn. Yep. Yep. Right. All right. Well, I'm, I'm just about done, Joe. Thank you so much for no stopping problem. by, answering all the questions. Kevin, you got anything else? Man, I do, but I'm gonna let you go, Bubba. You're good, man. We had you on for I, I, I got a few more minutes. I got a few minutes. I was, I was, I was notebook of like serial killer screwing. I keep forgetting what I want to talk about. I was, I have like eight minutes. I gotta leave in like eight minutes. I was, I was gonna do a whole spiel about how you're a dope dude, but Kevin summed it up pretty great. I'm just gonna piggyback off that. But I will say thank you so much for coming on, Joe. It means a lot. We can't wait to see what you're doing next, whether it's grappling mma it's going to be a showstopper no doubt about it uh is there a, nothing you wanted to plug or oh, just, nothing. if you, you guys don't are, have, you, you haven't started a twitch channel like all the other oh, yeah. <laughs> you want to watch play video of, games for a couple hours I play a lot of video games i got my, my headset over here i got my controller i mean like yeah. good. <laughs> i don't want to like uh, i play a lot of call of duty warzone yeah Ooh. yeah and I, I'm, we, on that, we, we, I'm on that red dead yeah so yeah. it's like, but for me, it's like when I'm playing video games, like I don't want to be doing anything else. I'm playing video games because I want to hang out and I want to like relax. I want to decompress. Like right. I spend so much time, like, especially right now, like it's, it's way harder running a jiu-jitsu gym right now. Like with all the online stuff and the zoom classes and that kind of stuff. You gotta be creative. Um, you don't just, you don't just get to go to, to the oh, gym and teach and have fun. You gotta easy before. think about shit. It was right. easy before. Right. Like, oh, I'm going to teach an arm lock today. We're going to do a triangle tomorrow. It's like, now it's like, okay. <laughs> Did I post the image? Did I schedule the Zoom class? Did I get it going? Am my light set up? Is my camera set up? It's just like it's. I way tell you what I find difficult from from doing this when I'm teaching because I'm actually going to go teach a class for Matt right now at uh, yep. at six. So what I find difficult from 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 all this is the fact that like it's very difficult. You can see their little faces on the screen, but it's difficult to understand for me if I'm actually reaching them without them looking at me. So when you got to yep. sit down, you got to talk. Yes. For 45 minutes or an hour, you yep. know, sometimes because now you're doing nothing but technique because there's nothing else you can do for you give them a little workout, but you got to sit there and teach the whole damn time because they don't yep. get to go drill. It's difficult for me, you know, when I'm sitting in the room, they're like, I got all their little faces. I can understand if what I'm saying is reaching them. Yep. If I if they're if they're retaining what I'm trying to say and if what I'm saying is good. Yep. It's been a very difficult process for me looking at a screen to have that same effect. Yeah. It's hard for me because like sometimes, like, you know, like the phone is set up in a way that you can't really see exactly what's going on. 
It's like, oh, great job, Johnny. And all you see is like, you know, it's like you're seeing like this. You're seeing like the top of his head. Yeah, right, you know, right. like, what's he doing? I don't even know. Like, right. So it's hard to give input. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, um, so I'm, I'm real, like I, I give like all my kids, whether even like my little kids, like I give them a hard time. Like I bust their balls on stuff. Like, is that how you do that? You know what I mean? Right. Like, uh, you know, and all of our adults, like I just basically just like, like harass them and like give them a hard time and, you know, talk trash to them about what's going on. And I think that like people like they, they like that, like they like like the kind of like the camaraderie that comes out of it, you know, and it's not quite the same when, uh, it's on a zoom class. Cause I'm like, Johnny, that, that sprawl sucked. And I get like moms are like, listen, like, yeah. what are they doing right now? <laughs> what do you think of my kid? Yeah, I know. It's not, it's not even Johnny's. It's not even, I'm telling Johnny his sprawl sucks, but it's like Sam's dad is listening like, what is he saying? He's just talking trash to that little kid. Like, being Sam, so nice. yeah. Sam, are you being cyber bullied, yeah. son? <laughs> I know, it's just like, it's just not the same, you know? Uh, but it's cool. But it's, it's funny you bring that up because that's what I think about too. Because I spent, I literally spent half to half to clash is cracking jokes. Yeah, of course. Because jujitsu is fun. It's cool. Yeah. But a lot of what we're missing is the camaraderie. It's going yep. to a building and seeing all yep. the dudes that you see all the time, yeah. or the people that you see all the time and sharing that community. Yep. So it's important. And even if you, because half the classes I teach, but people aren't drilling what I'm doing. They're sitting on yeah. the couch watching yeah, this. Right. Yeah, they're yeah, fucking yeah, bored. Yeah. They hate it. They're but it's the up. idea of being yeah. with each other yeah. saying, I'm here. We could talk a little bit. That's, that's yeah. good stuff, Joe. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be weird when we all get back because like they're not going to just let us go back. It's like, okay, you guys can do jiu-jitsu. You can cover each other's hand, you know, mouth with your with their, your hand, and like we're gonna be doing with dummies for a little bit. It's just yeah, gonna at least we'll be in off. a building. We'll be together. We're it's we're a long we're a long, I, we're a long well, way Gracie off. Baja, Gracie Baja is doing this whole thing where they're allowing like limited people per class. You got to do all your drills in a in a six by six square like on the ground. Well, who though? Who are you gonna drill with? You gotta well, drill you with gotta yourself. Bring, you gotta bring home a, a grappling dummy that they'll yeah. show you how to make. I think and it's just like this I think whole we're getting. Thing. So we've been doing we uh, we've been doing grappling dummies for our people at home because obviously it's you can get a way better class if, if you can you know have them drill on a dummy which is a lot better. Um, but even once we get into running classes, I, I bought like fifty grappling dummies because it's gonna it's not gonna go it's gonna be they have no class or have a like, class with a dummy. Yeah. And if we have class with a dummy, at least we can get people together. You can still get the social aspect of it. You can see each other. You can have a routine. You can kind of. You do stuff a little bit better. I think it'll I think Matt's going but I think that the other answer too is having more classes. I think you're gonna have to start having more yep. shorter classes, maybe like 30 minute classes, like four of them or three or four of them a day instead of one or two of them. So I think I'm gonna start like we normally start our like our classes at five o'clock. We do like five, six, seven. I think we're gonna start classes at like two o'clock. Yeah. And we're gonna have like two, yeah. three, and four, five. Right throughout the day, like a yeah. spin class, and you call yep. in and sign up when it fills up, you gotta go to the next one. Yep. Yep. That's the all plan. Right. Well, we're all gonna figure this out eventually. We're gonna get until it until then. Yeah, that we're gonna live to Pohada again, everybody. Uh, you just gotta, you just gotta have a patient. You gotta be patient for it. It start. We're all starting to get stir crazy. Like I haven't shaved in a while. Uh, Kevin's shaving too much. Like you gotta stop. I miss the beard. I got. I'm big. Uh, I, I like being pretty. I feel pretty. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, thank you, everybody, for joining us for a very insightful, mellow, and New England-themed episode of the Jiu-Jitsu Times podcast. Uh, special thanks again to Joe Lozon for joining us. Uh, you can follow him at uh, social media uh, on all platforms. I have been your host, Kevin Bradley, joined, as always, by my co-host, Kevin Gallagher. Stay safe. Wash your hands. We'll see you next time. Later, guys. Hey, man. Later.